Oh, my God. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
נחמו עמי, נחמו עמי, יאמר אלוקיכם. 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 דברו הלב ירושלים, דברו הלב ירושלים, נחמו עמי, דברו הלב ירושלים. אמר השם, אמר השם, את מי צריך לנחם? האם לא אותי צריכים לנחם? מי שנשרף ביתו, מי שנשבו בניו, את מי צריך לנחם? נחמוני, נחמוני עמי. נחמו עמי, נחמו עמי, יאמר אלוקיכם. נחמו עמי, נחמו עמי, יאמר נחמו עמי, נחמו עמי, יאמר אלוקיכם. נחמו עמי, נחמו עמי, יאמר אלוקיכם. דברו הלב ירושלים, דברו הלב ירושלים. נחמו עמי, דברו הלב ירושלים. אמר השם אמר השם, את מי צריך לנחם? האם לא אותי צריכים לנחם? מי שנשרף ביתו, מי שנשבו בניו, את מי צריך לנחם? נחמו לי, נחמו לי עמי. Hey! 
We're dedicating that to uh, Judy Landy, who is in Israel for the first time and wanted to uh, express musically how thankful she is to the one above that she's able to be in Israel now for Shabbos Nachamu. Pretty amazing uh, when someone checks in and tells us that they're in Israel for the first time. It's a, a feeling that's impossible for some of us to relate to because we've had the opportunity, please God and thank God, to uh, visit so often since we were, since we were children. And uh, amazing to get her perspective. So enjoy the Holy Land, Judy. It's pretty amazing. Joey Newcomb with Thank You Hashem. Nachamu with Effie Green. Shlomo Katz with Likrat Shabbat. Nachamu done by Shlomo Katz. Maishi Menlowitz, Aaron Razel, and Safam. And of course, Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. Yes, it's Erev Shabbos Nachamu. And it certainly feels that way musically here at JM and the AM. That's for sure. I thank you for tuning in, everybody. As we, uh, again turn the calendar to this very special time of year, a comforting time of year, on this Tuba Av. It's Tuba Av and Erev Shabbos Nachamu together. Pretty amazing, huh? Twelfth day in the month of August, day number 15 in the um, a month of Menachem Av. Today is Tuba Av. Uh, no Tachanun today. It is a somewhat of a uh, Jewish holiday. And wanted to make sure to acknowledge that. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas V'Eschanan, Erev Shabbos Nachamu. Candle lighting in New York, 737. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Again, make sure you know when things start where you are. 737 candle lighting on this Erev Shabbos. Again, make sure you know when things start where you are. You want to make sure to um, start Shabbos at the proper time. Uh, let's see, what do we have right now in Teaneck? We're in Teaneck in our temporary studio at 71 degrees, partly cloudy today going up to 83. Tonight clear down to 63, and tomorrow sunshine a high of 82. Not bad. Not bad. Looks like pretty good weather until uh, we get to about Monday afternoon-ish. Uh, we'll be spending a Wednesday in Israel. We'll be spending Tuesday on a plane. Uh, the highlight of this coming week is, of course, the Nefesh Benefesh flight. Uh, to the Holy Land, as I have the uh, opportunity again to escort a um, an unbelievable collection, an array, if you will, <laughs> of 
of um, hundreds of olim who are moving from North America to Israel. And we'll be speaking with them on the plane on Tuesday after JMNAM. I'll be here Tuesday for the uh, JMNAM broadcast. Uh, then, we, then we fly to Israel. And uh, Wednesday mornings, JM and the AM will no doubt be the highlight of the week. Wednesday mornings, JM and the AM will be the highlight of the week. That'll be when we uh, present the three hours from the plane with the Olim and with our friends at Nefesh Benefesh. So make sure to be tuned in next week, but especially on our very inspiring Wednesday morning broadcast. Uh, Thursday, I'm expected back. Avrami will likely start the show. We'll figure it out based on the timing of the uh, of the flight, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but that's the plan as of now. And uh, it's going to be a very, very exciting week ahead. It is the first time in three years that there is a uh, Nefesh Benefesh charter flight because of the whole pandemic thing. And um, we are very much looking forward to it. Speaking of looking forward, I want to take this opportunity and wish a Mazal Tov to the Markowitz and Wayne House families. Uh, my niece Rachel and the Yitzchak are going to be married this coming uh, Sunday up in New Rochelle, and I take this opportunity to wish the uh, wish um, Cheryl and Mendy Markowitz, Doctor Mrs. Sam Winehouse, uh, of course the extended Weintraub Markowitz Rappaport and Winehouse families, a very, very special Mazel Tov. We're looking forward to celebrating this coming Sunday up in New Rochelle. And to um, Rachel and Yitzi, a very, very special Mazel Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. So Baruch Hashem, we get to uh, celebrate yet another Simcha. Let's keep these Simchas coming. Let's keep these wonderful occasions coming. And again, Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. More coming up. It's an Erev Shabbos Nachamu. It is Tuba Av. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Vyashanon. Weekly update an hour from now with Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. About a half hour from now, it'll be uh, Harry Rothenberg with words about this week's Parsha. Rabbi Yudin's going to be checking in from Israel. There's a lot happening, plenty going on. Make sure to keep it right here at JM in the AM.
Benjamin was almost extinct. He had to marry outside himself. They were so decreased in numbers. They were allowed to get some help. You rob on put guards and guards to stop us at your door. Each year we tried three times, but now we go once more. They all reclined their empty ship of day. Now they'd be mourning for the 15k. Forgave us all, spoke to Moses and
Beats with their Nachamu medley. Ish Kodesh group with Nachamu. You heard Shamayim with Nachamu. Tubav done by Schlockrock. Remember, today is Tubav, the 15th of Menachemav. Silva Zemmer had Nachamu here at JM and the AM. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world of women, NachamSingle.com, on the NachamSingle Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Galay Tzal in the background to our news from Israel coming up. Harry Rothenberg in hour number two. Malcolm Holine in hour number two. Rabbi Yudin in hour number three. Wednesday, our broadcast from Nefesh Benefesh. First time in three years. We're on a charter flight with hundreds of Olim. We'll broadcast that Wednesday morning between 6 and 9 a.m. You want to be inspired? Make sure you're tuned in. (laughs) 
More coming up on a Friday Erev Shabbos. It's Erev Shabbos Nachamu with candle lighting at 737 in the New York area. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Galaitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next to JM and the AM. גלייצה לשעה שתיים, באולפן אלעזר בן לולו עם מה שקורה עכשיו. התאונה הקטלנית אמש בירושלים. בשעה זו מאות מלווים בדרכן האחרונה את שושנה גלושטיין בת 40 שהייתה בהיריון מתקדם ושתי בנותיה, חיה שרה וחנה, שנדרסו למוות על ידי אוטובוס בבירה. האם ובנותיה, בנות שלוש ושבע מאופקים, התאמנו בבית העלמין בגבעת שאול. ארגון נהגי האוטובוסים קרא מוקדם יותר לממשלה לפעול למניעת הקטל בדרכים. הגיע הזמן לשינוי משמעותי בתחבורה הציבורית. אסור שדם הנהגים והנוסעים יהיה הפקר. מנכ״ל ויושב ראש אגד אבי פרידמן התייחס לתאונות השבוע, בשבוע החולף והודיע על הקמת צוות חקירה פנימי. שר החינוך לשעבר אהרון ידלין הלך היום לעולמו והוא בן 96. ידלין לחם בפלמח, גר רוב שנותיו בקיבוץ חצרים וכיהן בכנסת למעלה מעשר שנים, בהן גם כשר החינוך בשנות ה-70. בשנת 2010 זכה בפרס ישראל למפעל חיים על תרומתו לחברה ולמדינה. ראש הממשלה לפיד ספד לידלין וכתב, מדינת ישראל נפרדת היום מאיש אדמה ורוח, איש ציבור בכל רמח איבריו. נשיא המדינה הרצוג הוסיף, יותר מכל אהרון ידלין היה מר חינוך. עשייתו רבת השנים בכנסת ובממשלה למען חינוכם ועתידם של ילדי ישראל, תהווה לו אנדרטה חיה לשנים קדימה. הלווייתו של ידלין תתקיים בקיבוץ חצרים ביום ראשון אחר הצהריים. צעדת המחאה של משפחת גול, גולדין בדרישה להשבת הבנים והאזרחים משבי חמאס בעזה התחדשה לאחר שהופסקה בשישי שעבר בשל מבצע עלות השחר. צור גולדין, אחיו התאום של הדר, אמר מוקדם יותר היום לנורית קנטי בגלי צה"ל כי הוא מוחה על מה שהוא מכנה אפס מעשה מצד המדינה. חוף כלבים חדש נחנך היום בהרצליה ונקרא על שם הכלב זילי, שנהרג השבוע בחילופי האש במהלך פעילות מבצעית בשכם. מפקד משמר הגבול, ניצב אמיר כהן, שהשתתף בטקס החנוכה, אמר, חלק משמעותי ממורשת החיל שלנו, כולל גם את הכלבים, ובעלי החיים שלוחמים יחד עם אנשי מג"ב בכל זמן ובכל נקודה בארץ. ידיעה שהעבירה כתבתנו, אנה פינס. מזג האוויר היום ללא שינוי ניכר בטמפרטורות, מחר צפויה ירידה קלה בהן. אלה החדשות. Oh, oh. 
J.M. in the A.M. Nachamu done by uh, Aspak Laria. One of my favorites. I really like that selection. I could play that any time of year. Uh, hour number two, J.M. in the A.M. Good morning. Um, 
Trucker Yitz says, happy Tuba Avid Shabbat Shalom. Thank you. On the app, uh, listener Ralph, our chairman, says a personal note to Judy Landy. Enjoy. You may never want to come back to the U.S. <laughs> Thanks, Nachum, for allowing me this personal message. Judy Landy in Israel for the first time. Big news, no joke. Dr. Moshe says a sad Tuba Av this year in Baltimore. A young man, Aryeh Wolf, murdered in broad daylight while working in a D.C. house. Uh, we saw this story. I was actually called about it on, uh, must have been Wednesday night. And um, I don't know what to say. I don't know what the, if there was a motive or if this was just a random crime or, but what a terrible and sad story in fact. Um, Arye Wolf murdered in broad daylight in Washington, D.C., Dr. Moshe says this is tempered with several families from Baltimore making Aliyah next week's chartered Nefesh Benefesh flight. Ultimately, we all rely that we're all part of Hashem's plan, no matter where we are or for how long he wants us to be here. Yeah, no doubt about that. Looking forward to meeting those uh, folks from Baltimore who are on the Aliyah flight on Tuesday. Bezrat Hashem, Wednesday mornings, JM and the AM will be our broadcast from the flight. Don't forget. Mensch says, Shalom Nachum, good Arab Shabbos from Oak Park, California. Please keep in mind, Chaya Bracha Bas, Chaya Bracha Liba, Chaya Bracha Liba Rachama Basmanya Rivka. Um, and can you please play Yom Zemachubad by David Gabe? Okay, we'll do that. And Norman says, just heard the great news. Congratulations to you and Stacy on joining the esteemed Grandparent Society. <laughs> Mazel Tov, Harbei Nachat Lachem. Thank you. It's now, uh, it's 15 days since um, Esther Liel was born. Um, she was named, in fact, the two weeks ago today, on Friday, uh, Erev, on Friday Rosh Chodesh, right, Friday Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av. She was named. So, again, Mazal Tov to Kayla and Binyamin, and thanks to everybody who's tossing in Mazal Tov wishes to us, the Levinsons and the Seagulls as we continue to celebrate this amazing occasion. Todah and Baruch Hashem. And speaking of simchas, uh, Rachel and Yitzi are getting married this um, this Sunday. Mazal Tov to uh, Cheryl and Dr. Mendy Markowitz, to uh, Dr. and Mrs. Sam Wainhouse, and the extended family, of course, my in-laws, who are among the uh, grandparents at this big event happening on Sunday. Uh, great to be at Anise's wedding, and we are looking forward to celebrating with everybody this coming Sunday. Mazal tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Here's that David Gabe request at JM in the AM. Yeah. 
J.M. in the A.M. There it is by request. David Gabe here on a Friday. Erev Shabbos Nachamu. Erev Shabbos Parshas via Shanan. Candle lighting in New York, 737. Uh, this portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abels and Hyman, they're going to have a lot of hot dogs grilling this weekend. Shabbos Nachamu weekend? Come on. You know it's going to be a big deal, especially this Sunday. We're expecting good weather in this area. Uh, make sure you have everything you need from Abels and Hyman. All their great meat products, including the... Uh, no nitrate added, reduced fat, and reduced sodium hot dogs, and their entire line of great hot dogs. Try A&H today. Kosherdogs.net is the website. 10% discount with promo code RADIO. And enjoy this amazing grilling Shabbos Nachamu weekend, courtesy of our friends at A&H. Their hot dogs are simply amazing. Make sure you have plenty in your fridge, or in your fridge and freezer uh, before the weekend begins. It's Arab Shabbos Nachamu, JM in the AM. Don't forget, we are uh, trying to make sure we get a match for Dr. Jay Bienenfeld for a kidney donation. Those of you out there who want to explore this more in terms of being a kidney donor and hopefully being a match for Dr. Jay Bienenfeld, there's an email address you should use, r25555 at gmail.com, r25555 at gmail.com, r25555. 
Did I say Gmail again? It's R25555 at renewal.org. R25555 at renewal.org. And I don't know why I keep getting that mixed up. Uh, Harry Rothenberg has words about this coming Shabbos. Here he is at JM in the AM. Number of years ago, we had a high school student working as an intern at our law firm. Did a nice job on the work that we gave him, but more importantly, he was a great softball player and he was playing on our team. It was a couple weeks before the playoffs. He comes to see me and he says, I have bad news. My internship is over. I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, there were certain rules and I missed a couple of classes. And the principal said that because I didn't follow the rules, the internship has to end and I have to serve detention so I'm not gonna be able to play on the softball team anymore. I said, what? Give me the name of the principal. Give me the address of the school. I'm gonna write a letter. So I wrote a letter to the principal on my law firm stationery, very respectful, saying that I understand what happened with respect to our intern. I spoke to him, he has tremendous regret over the infractions, it'll never happen again. I'm ready to ask you to reconsider your decision. My firm has come to rely on his excellent work product. And by the way, he's a fantastic softball player. He plays on our team in a competitive league and the playoffs are starting soon and we really could use his bat and his glove. I got a letter back from the principal thanking me for my letter, but telling me that unfortunately, as his student, our intern knew and knows, rules are rules, he broke them, and therefore the internship has to end, and he does have to serve the detention, and the decision remains as is. Now notice, I'm not telling you the name of the principal or the name of the school. Why? Because when you hear this story, you might say, I don't believe it. How could the principal not have given this kid a second chance, especially when the law firm asked they could use him in the office and on the playing field? And so I might damage that principal's reputation. If I do that, then I'm speaking Lashonara. I'm saying something negative about someone and we don't do that. And so I ask you, what is going on at the beginning of this week's Parsha? Moses, Moshe has a private conversation with God. He begs God to reconsider his decision not to let Moshe enter the promised land. And God tells Moshe, no. Now, when we hear that story, we might say, well, of course, God has his reasons, but come on. How could you not give Moshe a second chance? God, he's asking you to enter the promised land because he brought the Torah down from heaven. A lot of the laws in the Torah can only be performed in Israel. That's why he wanted to go for your sake, not his sake. He didn't want to go just so he could hang out on the beach in Tel Aviv. You couldn't give him a second chance. And so it might damage God's reputation. So why doesn't Moshe keep that private conversation private? Why share it? There are a number of possible answers. I want to share one because maybe Moshe wants to remind us that even when the answer is no to one of our prayers, God still loves us. And you can be praying for something really important, not just something that you want. God, let my team win the championship. Something that's not just important to you, but important to God. God, please let me find a spouse. I want to be able to get married so I can start a family. God, I found a spouse. Let us have a child together. We want to raise a beautiful family. God, let me find a job so I can support my family. God, let this surgery go well so that I can be healthy and continue to live. And sometimes the answer is no. Now keep praying, keep praying. Maybe it'll turn into a yes. But if it remains a no, don't ever think for a second that it's because God doesn't love you. God loves all of us. And we know how much he loved Moshe. We know how Moshe held a special place in God's heart, so to speak. He was the only person in history to ever speak to God face to face. So Moshe is showing us, you know how much God loved me. And it was a no. That doesn't mean that he didn't love me. And if you get a no, even after years, decades, a lifetime worth of prayers, 
it doesn't mean that he doesn't love you. No matter what, God loves you more than anyone. Smile and dry the tears that shriek your weary face. Wounded soul will be consoled by the wonders of this place. Laugh away the fears, there's no need to be afraid. This storm will pass, see sunlight splash on these stones and on your face. After these long days of sorrow, after these long nights and There'll come a time to leave the sadness behind We'll rejoice again after this black night passes A new light will dawn and you'll see Look how it shines, follow the signs Nachamu Ami Nachamu Ami So be strong, be true, be brave You gotta keep your head up high You're young and you'll be smiling soon There's no need to cry So smile and dry the tears The day will soon be gone We'll rise again Throw off these chains Return to carry.
צריך לנחם, האם לא אותי צריכים לנחם? מי שנשרף בטוב, מי שנשבוב עניו, את מי צריך לנחם? Let your heart feel free, my children you will see. Nachamu Ami, Nachamu Ami, Yomar Elokechem. Nachamu Ami, yes I guarantee, just leave it all to me. Nachamu Ami, Nachamu Ami, Yomar Elokechem. Tabu Alev Yerushalayim, Tabu Alev. Thank you. 
JM in the AM. A lot of Nachamu selections on this Erev Shabbos Nachamu. Tuba of morning here at JM in the AM. Uh, no better way to get ready for a Shabbos Nachamu, that's for sure. I hope everybody, with all the stuff going on out there, I hope everyone has a chance to uh, at least enjoy Shabbos Nachamu and hopefully be comforted uh, by the uh, the concept of uh, Nachama comfort that is so important this time of year coming up after Tisha B'Av. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nachum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. This coming Wednesday is our show from the Nefesh Benefesh flight. It's been three years since we've been on a Nefesh Benefesh charter flight. It's been three years since there's been a flight. Uh, we get to be on it this coming Tuesday. That'll be Wednesday mornings, JMM. If you want to be inspired and hear from real Jewish heroes, those who are moving from North America to uh, Israel, uh, many of them with some amazing stories. Make sure to be tuned in Wednesday morning. That'll be the highlight of the week. Wednesday morning's broadcast here at JM and again from the Nefesh Benefesh flight uh, heading to uh, Israel on Tuesday. Want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com. Don't forget if you want to print out thousands of articles before Shabbos and catch up on what's happening in Israel and the Jewish world. JewishWorldReview.com is uh, a great resource for that. It'll keep you very very busy. That I can guarantee you, both during the week and uh, on Shabbos, if you print out some of those articles. And um, check it out and enjoy, jewishworldreview.com. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays at this time for the weekly update. Mr. Holmline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Yeah, thank you, Nachman. Always good to be with you. Appreciate that. Uh, we left the air last week, and uh, about an hour later, Israel was at war. Do we call it a war? I don't know. You could tell us how to classify it, but they certainly were under tremendous pressure, and we started getting messages from friends and relatives in Israel. They planned on spending Friday night, or they likely were planning to spend Friday night in uh, bomb shelters, sealed rooms, etc., and uh, that is, uh, for those of you uh, who know people in certain areas of Israel, that's exactly what happened. So I know there was an escalation. We, uh, we, we touched on it last week in terms of what was going on during the week and the potential reaction of the enemy uh, to what was going on. But uh, why did it get to that point? We'll, we'll discuss why it only lasted a certain number of days and hours, but why did it get to that point last Friday? Well, after Israel captured the leader of the of Pidge, of the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, it was inevitable that there was going to be a response at some point from them. But Israel got word that there was going to be an escalation on their part uh, in terms of anti-tank missiles targeting a bus in Israel and other actions. And they can tell when uh, they see the activity on the ground. And the uh, so the escalation... Uh, was almost inevitable, and, it's, and it shows Israeli intelligence was very good. And this time, if you saw the pinpointing of the strikes of a single apartment in a building, taking out much of the leadership of, of Palestinian Islamic Jihad, we learned about the commanders of the north and the south, but also there were about 12 of the leaders of the, organiz- of the terrorist organization um, were arrested, were um, eliminated, let's say, and the uh, and thank God there were no Israeli casualties, fatal um, uh, fatalities during this uh, this conflict. And I think they felt they had uh, achieved what they could. When you ask about the length, um, there comes a point where 
you start escalating the numbers and the general international community, while quick always to condemn Israel this time, was much more muted in their response, and especially in much of the Arab world, uh, certainly the Abraham Accord countries, when they may be critical uh, in a performer way, it was not the kind of reaction, with the exception, I think, of Jordan primarily, that we would then normally get. And Israel did not want to see, you know, an escalation and further uh, um, than measures at the UN and starting to to uh, have a, a minimum um, diminishing return from um, uh, from the further action. So it seems that uh, they, up to the last minute, were removing the. They hit a, a major, major tunnel that was up to the border with Israel. They hit um, manufacturing sites and some of the command and control centers. So it's, uh, you know, and remember a lot of this is within civilian populations, well hidden inside in, in uh, apartment buildings, which were purely residential. So it's, it's a very complicated and difficult thing, especially when you don't want to have a ground invasion um, you know, on, and have Israeli troops put uh, put in danger, and also by the way it was conducted, keeping Hamas out of it was very important. How about a uh, an additional word about how miraculous it is that there were no Israeli casualties? Uh, I said that that the but but people don't know how many rockets were fired. I mean, at least eleven hundred, and that two hundred fell within. Gaza itself, and were responsible for many of the deaths that then were being blamed on Israel. The um, the Iron Dome's amazing success rate of ninety six percent. The um, also the response and of the people who who you know lived again for night after night after night in the in the uh, bomb shelters even before the conflict started because they had advanced warning by a couple of days, but the. You know, it's a combination of all those things, and also you, anybody who doesn't see Yad Hashem in all of this and the yeah. ability to withstand this uh, an onslaught of a thousand missiles. And you saw the uh, Iron Dome's operations were shown; everybody could see them. But you realize how expensive it is to fire the Iron Dome, and yet they they had such a remarkable rate of um, of of uh, success since 2001. Over 23,000 rockets and mortars have been fired from Gaza by both Pigeon and Hamas into Israel. 23,000. Unbelievable. Is it hard to prove that um, that uh, many of the many of the casualties in Gaza were the result of their own colleagues? Is that is that difficult to prove? Does the world roll their eyes when Israel makes that claim? Yes, I think that that is true. That the, the world, you know, is so skeptical. But this time, uh, Hezbollah even had some. A source had some videos, but Hamas and and their own sources showed uh, pictures of the trajectory of, of missiles. The one that hit the, the children, we believe that that was uh, the one that was shown. But yes, this time Israel moved quickly to get the message out and to uh, show the the fact that. You had hundreds of, of their of the missiles fired by Palestinian Islamic Jihad uh, landed in within the Gazan borders and were responsible for uh, a, a lot of the casualties. So 
um, I think the, the if you see it was a much more muted reaction, even though a lot of the press was really quick to to um, to jump on uh, you know every criticism and, and talking about the Palestinian casualties and and not identifying that how many of them were terrorists and how many of them were killed by errant fire. It did then turn a little bit, and they started at least throwing in a mention of it. Right. And they know that Pidge, you know, is is uh, unlike other groups. It's so extreme that they won't negotiate in any kind of – they don't negotiate in any way. But they have their own summer camps for high school students where they teach this radical ideology <laughs> and terrorism and do paramilitary training. And the um, – you know, it's a it's a group that's hard to love. If I understood you correctly, it sounded like Israel's response, the type and the immediacy of their response, is what kept Hamas out. Is that is is that in fact what kept Hamas out of this? There were constant negotiations. It, look, Hamas is welcomes the fact that Pidge gets weakened because they're competition, uh. and so Israel was doing uh, Hamas's work on the one hand. Second, they know the people in Gaza don't want another war. And I'm sure that that the Hamas people uh, were taken care of so that they would, uh, it was in their interest to keep um, the, all, the fuel coming in, keeping the electricity, even if it was down to four hours right. a day, but, but they can take credit for the fact that they stabilized the situation, didn't join. You know, it, it is, it's true in Lebanon, too, for instance, that the people don't want another war because they pay a price for it. Right. And you see growing resistance to, to Hezbollah. You have resistance. It's hard. You can't publicly express it if you want to live. But, yeah, they, they moved quickly. They're, they want to restore. Israel made its um, aims very clear this time and what they were uh, going after. And they and they showed the evidence that they had good intelligence about the planned uh, attacks against civilian populations. Um, one might think that the only reason that Hamas stays out is because they're unprepared uh, to, you know, go to full scale war. I understand that the you know the the civilians don't want war, but that doesn't usually stop these groups from you know conducting these types of uh, missile strikes against Israel. Um, it, it, is it possible? that they would have joined in if they were simply prepared and had their arsenal where they'd like it to be, you know, last week? I think they, they're always prepared to fire. Usually they do symbolic uh, firings, you know, regardless of who the primary target of its Hamas and Pitch fires because they know that they're you're going to bring the wrath down on them. So, um, and this time you did not have even that kind of a symbolic shooting of a couple rockets to um, you know, to justify their uh, their credentials. So uh, I think that it's it 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 is in everyone's interest. You know that um, Pidge is a wholly owned subsidiary of Iran. Hamas is a contractor. It's true they get a lot of money from them. They get material, but Pidge is completely owned by them and run by them. And uh, the the aid they get tens of millions of dollars a year from Iran. And couldn't exist without them, and so there's there's a rivalry there. There are other um, you know uh, concerns within Gaza itself, where they're still rebuilding from last year's war, 
most of the reconstruction hasn't taken place and people live with that every day and they see it and they don't want more of it. So the, the, um, um, you know, it, it, I think Israel played it very smart. And I think there was ongoing discussions between Hamas intermediaries and Israelis um, to make sure that that remained the case. What now for Israel? Every time that they, they have to worry that every time they take out a terrorist or every time they do uh, they embark on some type of action, uh, this rocket fire could begin again from Gaza? That's always a concern, and it, and the real concern is that you have it from Gaza and from the uh, from within Judea and Samaria, or and from Lebanon at one time, and now Syria as well, where you know that Hezbollah is building up its presence near the Israeli border uh, and uh, has established itself much more. And the the UNIFIL troops are doing nothing to fulfill the mandate of 1703, which requires them to stop it and to identify it and to to uh, counter it. In fact, they just uh, melt away in the face of this. So you have another front that, that develops, and it's uh, Iran's goal to be able to hit Israel from all sides, including from Iraq over Jordan and from Syria, Lebanon, Hamas, and Yemen. And the Yemenis, you know, said that they're ready to join and come in, the Houthis, that is, yeah. to support the um, uh, uh, the terrorists. Why are we led to believe that this fu- ceasefire would result in a couple of uh, living Israelis and a, and uh, and the uh, soldiers' bodies that Israel would like to retrieve? Why do we think that that, that this would be the end result of this ceasefire? Because it's the hope each time Israel works relentlessly to get them back. I know there's criticism about whether that well, we shouldn't do anything unless we get back the bodies. I, I've been very involved with them since. The, the beginning, and it's it's heartbreaking to deal with the families and to see the, how much they suffer until they get the bodies back and have uh, Kvura in Israel, uh, have them buried in Israel, or get back the living ones. Uh, it's it's uh, torturous, and even the UN and others have to finally come out on the right side of this issue, uh, not doing anything, but at least verbal, verbalizing it uh, Somewhat. Uh, by the way, I, and I forgot to say in answer to your previous question, Israel this time took out a lot of infrastructure. If this does not, you don't rebuild that immediately. And the capacity to launch, you, you they have still three, four thousand rockets at least, maybe five thousand rockets. They used a, a, quite a number of the long range ones, but many short range, which are much cheaper. The long-range ones are more sophisticated and have, and some of them with guidance systems, as you see by the number that fell within Gaza. They don't all have operative guidance systems or know how to operate them properly. But the a lot of the infrastructure, the manufacturing sites, the uh, arms depots were hit. And sometimes you could see the pictures, you know, where they were taken even from Israel, but where you see the plumes of, of black smoke and then all of a sudden the second big explosion is because they hit a arms depot and then when it's subsequent, it gets to the next uh, cache of arms, it blows up again. So the, they did hit a lot of the infrastructure capacity of, of pitch. Finally on this, any, uh, any winners and losers of note from this entire episode had the uh, temporary prime minister do? 
So that obviously is now the the guessing game in Israel about who benefited, and especially because of the primaries this week. I think that Gans benefited a lot. Uh, I think um, Lapid uh, showed himself to be prime ministerial. Uh, I think Netanyahu, by going for the briefing and coming out in support of the government, did the right thing. I don't know that it lasts three months. You know, people in Israel move on to the next day, the challenges of, of each day. Right. Uh, and if things remain quiet for a while, then they will look even better. I don't know that it'll mean a major shift because people are very committed to the parties that they belong to. It does change people's perceptions, perhaps, and or gives them a greater sense of confidence uh, in some of the people who are involved in this. But again, you know, it's now the next day's scandal, battle, whatever that will have influence. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world. The web at and the Malcolm Siegel Network. And of course, on the beloved NSN app, Malcolm Holmline is executive vice chairman of the conference of presidents of major American Jewish organizations. I know you don't always like to comment on things happening on this side of the world, but too many people are asking me to ask your opinion, uh, your impression of the FBI raid on the former prime on the former president's house this week, whether there were nuclear documents that were being seized or not. Uh, Any general reaction to what happened this week? Listen, it's very troubling. Uh, Anything that shakes people's confidence in the in the government and democracy or seems to challenge it from all sides, I think is very dangerous. I think we're living at a at a very strange time in America where we see fundamental assumptions challenged, where we see the people running for office who who can make anti-American statements themselves and still win an election. I think that, you know, we have to wait and see what information comes out about what what motivated the raid. Was it really necessary? Was that the only way to get the documents? If uh, now they're saying there are nuclear documents, uh, I mean, I don't know if he took home the, the football or the, you know, the combinations or something. But, you know, it's, it, the appearances certainly are very worrisome. And what, what to me is very troubling is that it, it sharpens the divide that exists already and raises the temperature. We're seeing it happening in, in uh, rallies and in elections uh, across the country. We have to be concerned about what are the long-term implications you, you, people don't have confidence in governments. We end up like South America, yeah. and um, and we should talk about South America because as much as I've talked about it all of the months and in the last couple of years, what we've seen just in the last few weeks is is really horrifying. And the fact that the administration doesn't seem to be focused much on that, I'm talking about the growth of Iranian and other influence and and Russia, China, all operative there. You know, Honduras this week talked about moving their embassy back from Jerusalem to Tel Aviv. It's, uh, you know, we saw the change in Colombia now, the government, the leftist, and and from a very friendly government before, and friendly to U.S., and friendly to Israel, and Chile, Costa Rica, and Colombia, and I mean, all over, let alone the growth of the investment by China, buying huge swaths of land, and raping the countries, the the activities of, of Iran are expanding with Venezuela. They're rebuilding their refineries. So it's a long-term uh, control factor there. 
I mean, there's so much more on this that we should talk about, but the the, the changes amongst the governments, and, and that is very frightening. Well, uh, I Therefore, agree. we need, and we need to have a unified country to be able to face the challenges that we have today, whether it's China, whether it's Islam, and especially Iran, and uh, and therefore anything that divides us and that undermines that is, I think, very counterproductive. Uh, to me, the most important thing you just told us is that if we're not careful, our own government could look very similar to these uh, South American governments. I think we have inherent enough protections, and, and I'm confident that the you know, Congress and others will will uh, not let that happen. What I'm talking about is the dynamic within the country of the divisions, the um, people taking streets to, to not using ballots but bullets and using um, different ways to express their frustrations, their anger, because the level of anger is clearly is rising. And you see it also in the level of violence that is in our cities. And, and we have, saw, again, examples this week, a very tragic examples in case in Baltimore, Washington, uh, just horrific, and, and no, doesn't even seem to be a cause or anything to it, just random violence. So I'm concerned about all the things that contribute to further um, disruption of our society. Yeah, now that you brought it up, we should mention that uh, based on comments on our app and reaction we're getting from the Baltimore, Washington area, a lot of people knew R.E.A. Wolf. And his uh, murder obviously continues to be uh, a, a completely a complete mystery at this point. Uh, although uh, you said to me off the air that it does appear to be random and not uh, somebody who actually knew him or anything like that. And there is a reward you mentioned to me that's now being posted by the police department down there. And there are photos already uh, of the uh, perpetrator of the murderer. Uh, so we're hoping he'll be brought to justice uh, sooner rather than later. Um, it's a tragic thing. He's very close to my son. And my daughter-in-law, and of course the mother, his mother was the principal of the Bezhakov, where my daughter-in-law teaches, but the, but they were very close friends. They were a remarkable family. This young guy has a six-month-old baby who works putting up solar paneling in a house in, in Washington. And it, the, the latest account says the guy just walked up and pumped the bullets into him. It's 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 horrific, and we have to make sure. But the police have been very responsive and cooperative, and they put up a $25,000 reward. Hopefully that will lead to something. Yeah, certainly hope so. Um, back for a moment in the Israeli politics, because as you mentioned, Likud primary was this week. Do you, I mean, I, I, I saw the entire list of, of winners, so to speak, in the Likud primary, meaning the list that they'll likely submit or the list that's close to what's going to be submitted before the election. And then, of course, depending on how many mandates, how many seats they get in the Knesset, that'll determine how many people uh, from Likud obviously will sit in the Knesset. Um, it, it's funny because since Netanyahu was at the top of the ticket and it's his party and has been for so long, we get the impression that the party's basically the same as always been. But then you look at the names and some of the newcomers that are there and and we are really just just you know the we're, we're the absence of Netanyahu away from I think the Likud party being very different than what we've been used to do you get that impression when you see the list of of, of uh, Likud people well it's a combination I think you're right that there are uh, new names and that a lot of old names uh, relegated to much lower positions the most prominent being Yuli Edelstein who was number two or three in the last couple of uh, elections and that was uh, number 17 and actually even lower I think when they put in all their mandated positions uh, and there's a whole group of people uh, 
who are talking or they're in this discussion that they might break away. Uh, Edelstein is demanding that he be made a minister to stay in, and he has been one. You know, he was Speaker of Knesset. He's a very capable guy. Uh, and talk about them aligning with another party or having a breakaway faction. Uh, Netanyahu stalwarts like Yeriv Levin came in at the top of the list. And there's some that we're used to, like Steinitz, who was very close to Netanyahu and a minister for a long time, a very intelligent uh, um, guy, dropped out completely before the election. And others, like Benny Begin, dropped out. Um, People who have, um, in in different parties too, you see in the 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 old timers, uh, Nachman Shai, who's the minister for diaspora affairs, came in like 17, and they're only going to get they only poll four or five seats. And uh, Omar Barlev, the minister, I think for police security, um, also finished out of the money, and they brought in new people. Uh, or Kariv, the first and former rabbi, Nick Nesset, uh, was at the top of the list together. Um, the newcomer and the uh, um, and so Merab Michaeli is rebuilding it and it was mostly young people I think there in the Kud case I think it was Netanyahu exerting his you know campaign and worked to to get the outcome that they did and now it's job to stabilize the party and to see that it sustains because they are the largest can they sustain the the numbers that they have now 34 35 33 36 maybe um, but one can anticipate that a lot of parties do not have primaries. Right. So anticipate that if right now, probably um, Lapid and the Gans' parties will do better than they were before the war. And just a couple of more seats, just a couple of more mandates, and it'll be a very different Israeli government, a more stable one. Or one or two. One or two. Right, one or two. still makes all the difference in the world. It's unbelievable. Um, although we're sort of going through the same thing in this country, at least that's the impression we're under, as people debate whether the Senate could change hands and whether the House is likely to change hands. So we see that, you know, it's. I wouldn't say anything here is 50-50, although the Senate would argue with me on that. <laughs> but, but it does seem like, uh, you know, on both sides of the world, we're sort of like right down the middle you know half half of a country feeling one way i know in israel it's different it's not half but you get my point uh but it's a very important reminder to get people to come out and nobody realizes that we have an election this month in new york and there are primaries there are big primaries you have 10 candidates in one congressional district some of them are very hostile and in in other districts there are for both state and federal positions members of congress state senators and others there are people who are affiliated with the squad, with uh, BDS, who are pro-BDS. So people have to find out who the candidates are. Look what your Jewish community leadership advises. So they've been meeting with the candidates. It's really important every because the turnout is likely to be low. But for every vote, is multiplied in its influence. And as you said, we're talking about a Congress that could be very close. We're talking about... Um, you know, uh, sending a message about bail reform, about all the things that we're concerned about, security, community security. It's imperative. People just take a few minutes. You can do absentee ballots. I don't know if you can still sign up anymore, but you can certainly... Early voting. Uh, uh, do early voting. And by the way, on the subject of Jewish leadership and uh, when it comes to these uh, politi- these, these um, uh, elections, 
Um, I think they need to make decisions sooner rather than later. Some, you know, some have really delayed their decisions. Like some of the newspapers have delayed their endorsements. And the and the reality is that, you know, uh, early voting is starting already. And as long as early voting is going to become more and more common, you know, those who who look to certain sources for advice on these things need to be, uh, you know, need to be advised what to do if someone's seeking that advice. So I think that I think Jewish leadership can't wait can't wait till a couple of days before election day anymore. Uh, with early voting being so common, I think they have to come out earlier mm-hmm. with certain recommendations. By the way, speaking of politics, I saw that a potential successor to Mahmoud Abbas has been ousted from PA leadership. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I guess that they, even though we joke about you know the fact that he's never leaving office, I guess someone is preparing for the next stage because they're very careful about who they're allowing to stay in the inner circle and who not. Uh, it, but it's the traditional course, you know, El Kidway, uh, Arafat's nephew is organizing a group and because he uh, uh, broke with uh, the leadership of Hamas and, and it, by the way, it's of, um, uh, of Abbas. And by the way, it's very widespread, the, the resentment against the government, the fact that he's in his 18th year of four year term, he's old. They feel that the corruption is so widespread that, that they've done nothing for the people aside from the battle with Israel but just for their own internal purposes. And the, every time somebody emerges as a leader, it's very short-lived, and sometimes they're short-lived. <laughs> and, uh, but they, you know, you saw this case is the most recent where they, they eliminate, they try to uh, isolate the, anybody who's a, a challenger, a potential challenger, but the growing resentment and sentiment within the population is, is unavoidable. Yeah, no question about that. Um, Iran's plot to kill John Bolton. What do you think of that story? Pardon me? Iran's plot up. to kill John Bolton. Yes, this is, and, and Pompeo and others. Uh, this, uh, I mean, it just tells you what, what, what we're dealing with. This is, uh, by the way, years old. Uh, I saw Bolton not long ago. He's at the Regency, and there, the police blocked the street for him when he was leaving and coming because of the of this long-term threat that's been posed against him and I'm, I'm I'm not sure that it's over you know it's like the fatwa against uh, Zaman Rushdie right. it, it doesn't end because there's always going to be one crackpot who will, who will still pursue it and here you had people being paid off to do it and I think the indictment is an important one but it's a message and in the meantime we're negotiating with the, the same people who are behind this and to and giving concessions, talking about hundreds of billions of dollars that would flow, and by 2030, even up to a trillion dollars, talking about allowing them to keep so much of the infrastructure and, and so many of the promises that were made, uh, even talking about removing the companies of the IOGC, even if they're not taking the Revolutionary Guard off the foreign terrorist organization, as was demanded. So we just lift the sanctions off scores and scores of companies, which they own. And, and therefore, they get the benefit. And we see how they and Russia are working, uh, skirting the sanctions. And, the, um, you know, it's not a done deal yet. It's not clear that the Supreme Leader really wants a deal. Because in a year anyway, the sunset clauses are going to start. The, the limitation of the ballistic missiles ends, I think, in 23 or early 24. The um, other restrictions will all sunset, uh, meaning end in in the next couple of years. So we're talking about a very short-term impact in in this deal, and maybe at a high price. 
um, and the the uh, rationale behind it, you know, of all this time they kept saying, oh, there's no deal, no deal, no deal, maybe to offset people, to, to limit the, the objections. But you see Democrats and others speaking up in the Congress against it, um, even Europeans who, who are expressing uh, concern, though this is a European proposal. They said, this is the final draft, this is the final draft, which is the same language we heard from U.S., European, and other officials for months and months. Always, is that They have a couple of weeks, they have 10 days, they have this, and they keep buying time, advancing their nuclear program, uh, enhancing the infrastructure that they have. Now the the launch of uh, a missile and, and the fact that Russia was contracted by Iran to put a, a, a spy satellite up in uh, in orbit, which they did this past week, which will be able to monitor Israeli bases and and those in the uh, the Gulf as well, because uh, this time it's a high definition camera. Other times the missiles, when they said that they were putting up you know satellites and stuff, because that's not banned under the restrictions on Iran. Uh, it was really just to test and to develop their ballistic missile capacity. This time, the one that Russia is putting into orbit, uh, or put into orbit, uh, Russia wants to use over Ukraine, and, and the Iranians say, no, that they're going to have complete control from day one. Evidence is that uh, Russia will, will use it perhaps first to, to spy on the, on the Ukraine on, and military and infrastructure. So the you know on every front they're moving ahead. They have a huge income from oil this year because of the rise in prices, because of the smuggling, mostly going to China. Russia and Iran are competing on that, but they're also working together. And Putin's presence in Tehran, the tripartite meeting, got much less attention than it deserved. And you see that Turkey and Iran and Russia are also playing together, even though. All three of them hate each other, basically, and, and are competing in Syria. Turkey wants to take part of, of Syria and to go after the PKK and to maybe occupy a swath of land there or in Iraq. And they're, they're all jockeying for position. Unbelievable. We truly need a Shabbos Nachamu, one of great comfort, <laughs> and comfort knowing that somehow the world will survive all of this. Please we'll God. survive. <laughs> Please but I God. hope we have enlightened people who are ready to stand up. We, we, we cannot uh, allow Iran to continue on the path that it is, expanding its influence in Africa. And as they talk about in South America, which only started because of what doing in Venezuela, Bolivia, Ecuador, all these countries, Cuba, uh, are, are, are moving in, in a terrible direction. And they are uh, they're investing in these countries because this is a long term process. It's not short term. We West generally term talks about you know very short term and doesn't have long term strategies, which are really essential to meet the challenges that we face today. No question about it. All right, uh, next week we're not uh, going to be convening, but two weeks, please, God. Uh, I will be. Yes, I'll be back. All right, and uh, we wish you a very uh, good Shabbos Nachamu, and let's uh, continue to remember that the future of the Jewish people is in the state of Israel as we go with Nefesh Ben Nefesh this week. Malcolm, I thank you, and have a wonderful Shabbos. Have a great Shabbos. We'll speak in two weeks. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents, major American Jewish organizations with us Fridays at 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos Nachamu, candle lighting in New York, 737. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Again, in New York, candle lighting 737. Again, make sure you know when things start where you are. Um, 
And today is Tu Ba'av. Today is somewhat of a holiday. It's the 15th of Menachem Av. Today is Tu Ba'av. We actually did the Schlockrock Tu Ba'av selection earlier. <laughs> Any other Tu Ba'av selections? Got to think about that. Um, feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. This time each every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader emeritus, Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nahum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Wow. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas for Eschanan. I don't really know where to start. Let's start as we always do. Parshas for Eschanan, according to the Chinuch, contains no less than a dozen mitzvos, eight positive mitzvos, and four restrictions. You have in Parshas for Eschanan the Aseris Hadibros. You have the second set. You have in Parshas for Eschanan Shema Yisrael, the mitzvah of tefillin, the mitzvah of mezuzah, the prohibition of intermarriage. And on a very personal note, my last Shabbos for this visit to Eretz Yisrael, I am once again in Harnof. And I just want on a personal note to say how grateful I am to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and all of us who are still not yet living home in Eretz Yisrael, just realize Moshe Rabbeinu, according to Chazal, the word Ve'eschanan Begimatria is 515. That's correct. Moshe Davin 515 times. Please. Please, he implored, he begged Hashem, let me go into Eretz Yisrael. Hashem had a different plan for world history, and therefore he said to Moshe, no. But I want you to first of all realize, number one, how significant tefillah is. If Hashem said no, why bother to be mispalel in the first place? But the answer is, Ravlach, says the Pasuk. And the rabbis tell us, had Moshe prayed only one more time, he would have gone in. Everything would have been different. The koach of tefillah, that's the very first thing. And secondly, how special Eretz Yisrael is. And we take it for granted. I hope, and I know not, the many people who I've been visiting and seeing in Eretz Yisrael realize each and every day how privileged they are to be living here. And one of my favorite Gemaras, Ksubos, Ayin Hey. Remember, the Gemara interprets the verse, Ish Ish Kiyuladba, right? Referring to Jews, each one having been born in Israel, says, Rashi says the Gemara, excuse me, Echad Shenoladba, be it those that actually were born in the land of Israel, the Echad Amitzapelerosa, and others that are yearning, pining to come. And if you're not yet here in Israel, you're listening to this at 8.15 in the afternoon as opposed to 3.15 in the afternoon, which is the time that it is here. Be a mitzapeh, yearn, whenever I can, I go. 
I get my batteries recharged. I recognize that this is the land of miracles. Okay, Nachum said, enough, we got to get down to work. A lot's going on today. Today, as everybody knows, is Tu Ba'av, the 15th day of the month of Av. And amazing, the resiliency of our people, that whereas just a few days ago, this past Shabbos was Tisha B'Av. This past Sunday, we were sitting on the floor. And now, the ability to get up and to celebrate Nachamu, Nachamu, Ami. What are we celebrating? What are we dancing and listening to music? Because we are sure that the third base of Migdosh is going to be rebuilt. We are sure that this destiny is going to be happening. And therefore, there is this, quote, first of the seven weeks of the Haftorahs of consolation for the Jewish people. But today is Tu Ba'av, the Mishnah, the last Mishnah in the Gemara, Tanis, reads as follows. Rabbi Shimon Megamliel taught, there were no happier days in Israel than the 15th day of Av and Yom Kippur, that on these days, the girls, the daughters of Yerushalayim would go out with borrowed clothing so the young men who were looking for Shiduchim would not judge the quote the book by its cover. Oh, an expensive dress, ex- rich girl. No, all the garments were borrowed one from another. And the Mishnah goes on to say the girls would dance and they would say, Young men, Sono Nechore'e, Good. What are you taking for yourself? Don't look at external beauty, but rather look at family and, come on, look at Masim Tovim. And finally, to substantiate this idea, the Mishnah concludes with the Pasuk from chapter 3 of Shira Shirim, Pasuk Yod Aleph, Se'enu go out and go. Go and see the daughters of Zion, Bamelech Shlomo. And Shlomo here refers not only to King Solomon, but refers to the Abishta, to God, who's called Shlomo. Ba'atorah, literally with a crown. Imo that his mother crowned him. Biom chasunoso, on the day of his marriage, Uyom simchas libo, and the day of his rejoicing. Yom Chasunoso, when is that? Matan Torah. The, the, the Har Sinai was, this, was the Chuppah. So, and this was not just Shavuos, but like the Mishnah began with Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur was the day of the Luchos Shneos, the second set of Luchos. And Uviyom Simchas Libo, this is Binyan Beis HaMikdash, Sheyibane Bebherab Yameinu. And the Marshah says that it refers to Tu Ba'av. So Tu Ba'av is connected with Binyan Beis HaMikdash. But why is today a day associated with Shiduchim? So I'd like to suggest and share with you an interesting Bnei Yisachar. The Gemara says at the beginning of Sota, Beis Aleph, Arboyim Yom Kodem Yitziras Avlad, 40 days before conception, it's already announced upstairs in Shamayim, Pasploni Leploni, that this young lady 
is going to marry this young man. Amazing. 40 days before conception. What does that mean? How is it possible that a girl, 20 years old, she's been so connected with her mom and dad and family, and she meets a nice shlaimi, and please God, after whatever number of dates, whatever number of months, she comes home with a big smile on her face, and the parents can see and say, okay, this is it. Correct. How is it possible that she can now uproot herself after two, three months or whatever the time and leave because before there was even a connection between herself and her parents there already was a connection between herself and her chasan that's what the Gemara is teaching wow now what is 40 days from today says the Pinei 40 days from today is the 25th day of Elo the day the world was created. Man was created on Rosh Hashanah. The world was created on the 25th of Elul. Forty days before, today, HaKadosh Baruch Hu announced, Bas Ploni Leploni. Wow, the Jewish people, Bereshis, for the Jewish people that are called Rashis, for the Torah that's called Rashis, God's made the ultimate Shidduch on today to Ba'av. Wow. So just as he made the Shidduch between himself and Klal Yisrael on this day, this day has become a day, Misugal, fit and appropriate for Shiduchim. And once take it one step beyond. And that is as follows. We observed this past Sunday, sitting on the floor, crying for the Beis HaMikdash. The Beis HaMikdash was destroyed on Tisha B'Av. And what happened in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, we know, were the Kruvim, the two angelic golden figures above the Ark, above the Oron. And the Gemara tells us that miraculously, when Am Yisrael were close to God, by observing his Torah and mitzvos, then the Kruvim would face one another and hug one another. When unfortunately Bnei Yisrael were distant from Hashem, then they were literally facing each, away from each other, their backs to each other. At the time of the Churban, HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed that even though I have to destroy the house, I still have love for the Jewish people. So what do we do? We start rebuilding. How do we rebuild? By the Jewish home, based on what the Gemara at the end of Tainus tells us, that there are many different reasons why we celebrate today. We celebrate the fact they stopped dying in the Midbar. This is the very end of the Gemara Tanis. And we celebrate because Jews were now able to go to the Beis HaMikdash, rescinding the decree of Yeruvim ben Nevot. And the dead of Betar, many good things happen. But the last thing the Gemara tells us is that, starting with Tuba'av, the days get shorter, the nights get longer, and there's more time for Talmud Torah. More Talmud Torah, more of a Shidduch, meaning that the Shidduch is going to be based on Torah. The home is going to be a Torah home. And where there is Torah home, there's where you have Shekhinah, there's where you have HaKadosh Baruch Hu dwelling amongst the Jewish people. So, today is that very special day. 
Let's take a quick peek at the parsha. What do you have in the parsha? You have Avo Rabba Avtanu. You have in the parsha Hashem's great love for Klai Yisrael. What's his love for Klai Yisrael? That he gives us a treasure called the Torah. So the Torah he gives us demonstrates his love for us, and we in turn reciprocate. Now watch. The Mishnah tells us that the Shema has three paragraphs. First paragraph comes from this week's parsha of Eschanan, Shema and Viohavta, the mitzvah to love God. Second paragraph, next week, the end of Akev, Vahoyoim Shemoa. And finally, the third paragraph at the end of Shlach, the parsha of Tzitzis, to remember Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim every day. Now watch. Interesting, the Mishnah calls the first paragraph Kabbalas Omachus Shamayim, literally accepting the yoke of heaven. And the second paragraph is that of Kabbalas Om Mitzvos, accepting his mitzvos. If you think about it, the same mitzvos that you have in the second paragraph, Talmud Torah, Tefillin, Mezuzah, you have in the first paragraph. So why is the first paragraph designated as Kabbalas Omachu Shamayim, accepting upon ourselves God's sovereignty? And the second one is mitzvos, the same mitzvos in both says the Ksava Kabbalah so sharply that really the whole first paragraph is a demonstration of our love for him. How so? Shema Yisrael, we declare that we are, we're in, count me in. Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. Now, watch. We are to love God. Now, how do you love God? Through his Torah. Vishinantum Levonecho is not just Talmud Torah giving to students and others, but it's a demonstration that I love something. Namely, I just heard a Dvar Torah and I meet you, I can't wait to share it with you. By my sharing the Dvar Torah that I just heard with you, by your sharing the Dvar Torah that you hear today at the Shabbos table, that shows it's important to you, that shows it's exciting to you, and you want to give it over to others, which is exactly what you're doing. And what happens next? The mitzvah of tefillin. And even though the tefillin shayat are covered, the tefillin shorosh is for everybody to see. I love Hashem. I wear my tefillin. And as the, as the Pesach says in Parshas Kisavo, the whole world will see that the name of God is upon you, Vyorumi Mecca. And finally, what's on that door of yours, the door to your home, I'm proud that I have his shmira, a relationship with God. So ultimately, what is today? Today is a day of celebration of a love, a love between God and Knesset Yisrael, a love of marriage based on Torah. Wow. And finally, our reciprocity of showing Anila Dodi Vadodi Li, he has a love for us. On this Tuba'av, we declare once again, thank you, Hashem, for giving us the opportunity of showing our love for him. Shabbat Shalom to all. 
There it is, Safam Nachamu. Chair of Shabbos Nachamu, Tuba'av here at JM and the AM. Today is the 15th of Menachemav, Tuba'av, the 12th of August, and thanks for joining us. Don't forget this coming week, the big day is going to be Wednesday when we broadcast from the Nefesh Benefesh flight, accompanying hundreds of Olim, hundreds of uh, people moving from North America to Israel. Very much looking forward to that, and I hope that uh, you'll be tuned in every day next week, but certainly 
on the Wednesday morning. Candlelighting 737 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abels and Hyman makes traditional kosher delicacies, pastrami, corned beef, salami, and more. Old World Classics, Beef Fry, Kishka, and more. And modern, better-for-you kosher products, including no nitrate added, reduced fat, and reduced sodium hot dogs, plus many other unique items. Visit the website at kosherdogs.net. Enjoy a 10% discount with promo code RADIO. And try A&H today. And I'm sure many, many people are preparing their big barbecues for this weekend. <laughs> it's a big grilling weekend, no doubt, <laughs> after the last couple of Sundays. Um, so make sure you have plenty of A&H in your freezer and fridge ready to toss onto that grill. You'll be glad you did is right. You'll be glad you prepared properly <laughs> with some delicious hot dogs and more. And thank you to our friends at A&H. Don't forget our full schedule. Uh, 9 o'clock this morning, right here after JM and the AM. Uh, Naomi Nachman will present a program from her recent visit to France. Naomi Nachman with a program from her recent visit to France coming up at 9 o'clock this morning, top of the hour right here at JM in the AM. The Erev Shabbos Show with Mark Zamek brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. That's going to be at 10 o'clock. Erev Shabbos Music Mix brought to you by the wonderful folks at Kedem. That's happening at uh, 1 o'clock and all through the day. Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night with, uh, with Avrami and with Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. Uh, Sunday, it's JM Sunday with Matis beginning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. And then, of course, Monday morning, we join you here uh, for another JM and the AM broadcast. Tuesday after JM and the AM, we head with Nefesh Benefesh to the Holy Lands. Very much looking forward to that. How could we not be looking forward to it? It's uh, it's uh, an experience which is uh, unique. I, don't, I do not take it lightly that I have the opportunity to do it and uh, very much looking forward to it. Uh, more coming up. This is JM in the AM. This is brand new from Schleimi Gertner.
Shlomo Katz, pretty amazing. Erev Shabbos uh, Nachamu. It is a Tuba Av, 7.37, candle lighting in New York. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. Always appreciate it. Make sure to be tuned in all day long. Great programming coming up, including Naomi Nachman from France. The show that she did in France, that's coming up next on Table for Two. And plenty more all day long brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Time to say good job is with journeys at JMN. The sun is going down. It's shining through the trees. Another week's gone by. Become a memory. So throw away your hammer. There's nothing left to do. Say good job Cause all your work is done I'm gonna spend the day Together with The Holy One Say a special blessing On a cup That's filled with wine Man and his creator It's a very special sign your candles will be burning They'll fill your home with light Singing songs of Shabbos Well into the night So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Hey, no, 
Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSingle.com and the NachumSingle Network. And, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing Friday. Enjoy Shabbos Nachamu, everybody, and your Tubav celebration today. Candle lighting in New York, 737. Make sure you know when things start where you are, and thanks so much for tuning in. You know the weekend schedule, plenty coming up, including Matis on Sunday with JM Sunday, beginning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. That's live right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. And tomorrow night, it's Avrami and Saturday Night Siegel with Ariel Yezers Wickler. Make sure to be tuned into that. And Monday, we're back. Wednesday next week's the big day because we'll be on the flight. That'll be the show from the flight. Nefesh Benefesh with hundreds of Olim to Israel. Make sure to be tuned in and get inspired. Have a fabulous Shabbos. Wonderful weekend till next week. Oh, before we wrap up, Mazel Tov to Dahlia and David Levy. Mazel Tov Dahlia and David Levy on their 19th wedding anniversary. And Mazel Tov to my niece Rachel and uh, Yitzi. The big wedding is coming up. On Sunday, Mazal Tov to the Markowitz, Wayne House families, and of course my in-laws, the grandparents, everybody in the family from all of us here at JMN. Until next time, Malcolm Segal reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.